Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I have the pleasure of speaking with Angela Dorsey. Angela created Dorsey Wealth Management because she had a lifelong passion for financial planning. She enjoyed helping others better understand and organize their finances, then put a plan in place to achieve financial goals. While helping her friends, who were smart and successful women, she noticed that many didn't have the knowledge and confidence to manage their personal finances well. From this experience, she saw the need for financial planning for women. After more than 20 years in corporate America, she followed her dream of starting her own financial planning firm. Her clients are primarily single and married women who want to better manage their finances or take the lead in managing their household finances. They sought her help because they wanted someone they could trust who listened carefully, offered unbiased information, advice, and guidance. Angela, thank you for coming on to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, today we're going to be talking about investing, right? Kind of investing 101. Um, But before we go into that, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every guest first, which is because this is the Me Time Midlife Podcast. What do you enjoy doing, Angela, during your me time? What do you do to fill your cup? (laughs) Wow. Well, that's a really... um challenging question for me and it's challenging because right now I'm at a point in my life where I really don't have a lot of me time uh my my daughter is 18 years old and she's getting ready to go to college so it seems like outside of my business uh, my time is pretty much taken up with with my daughter and helping her with college applications and scholarship applications and everything in between um so usually my me time consists of maybe 15 minutes here and there. So <laughs> I'll just put it out there what I like to do. Um, you know, this may sound uh, crazy, but I, I like to look at YouTube videos. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> get, um, you know, just, I just want to laugh. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, sometimes things can get pretty, pretty um, heavy. So I, I just like to look at cat videos. I like to look at SNL comedy videos. <laughs> Um, you know, there's a lot of, and educational, there's a lot of uh, good health and fitness and makeup and just a lot of fun mm-hmm. stuff out there. Right. Um, I subscribe to, I can't even count how many YouTube uh, channels. And when I have just a few minutes, I just take a look and see what's recommended. And, you know, it just gives me a chance to laugh for a few minutes. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my uh, me time right now. Hey, that's totally fine. You know, when we talk about me time, it doesn't have to be this like this whole day to yourself where you don't have any expectations or obligations or anything like that. I mean, that's nice, right? But the reality is that, you know, we have to look at our lives and be able to you know, find or make me time uh, little by little here and there, you know, and if, I mean, if we can watch something, a two minute video, that's going to make us laugh and put us in a better mood, then we're better for that, you know? So that's great to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, sure. <laughs> when I have more time, I'll have higher aspirations for my me time. <laughs> right. Sure. Ask me in 
four months. <laughs> okay. All right. Will do. Okay. So we're going to talk about investing 101 uh, for the novice investor, right? The woman who uh, wants to invest and she doesn't know where to start and all of that. And, um, and so let's, let's get into that. So let me just start off with, you know, that question really is, you know, how does a woman start investing? What does she need to do to get started? Well, that's a great question because um, starting, I think, is the hardest part mm. because you can easily become overwhelmed and confused and just not know what to do. So I would say for everyone, the first step is to just get organized. Just understand what you have. For example, if you have um, maybe a 401k with a prior company, or if you have a, an investment account, um, annuities, insurance, you know, anything financial, I, I always recommend the first step is to just pull together what you have. You don't have to understand it, but at least just locate everything. And believe it or not, that can take a while. Many times people have um, accounts in places and they either forgot about them or they don't know what they are. Or, or maybe they were recently widowed and they didn't know what their spouse had and they're getting these pieces of paper in the mail and they just don't know what, what they are and they just kind of shove them you know, in the drawer. The first step is to just see what you have and then just slowly start to understand what it is and to understand it, you could just give each company a call and just ask, um, you know, what, what is this? You know, what, what are their fees? You know, there's really two pieces of information you want to know for each investment statement as to know how much are the fees that you're paying and um, how is, what is it doing for me? You know, what, what is the goal for this um, investment? And, and I think that alone will kind of give you the next step in terms of just understanding where you are because you really can't move forward until you just kind of pick up the pieces of where you are right now and understand them and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you and I have had many conversations about the correlations, right, between health and, and finance, finances, right? And, and especially investing, because investing is one of those things where, like you just said, you got to get organized, you got to see where you are right now. And then usually from there, you know, there's a really quote, there's a quote that I really like, it says, uh, go as far as you can see, and then you can see farther, right? So when you, when you figure out where you are, and what you got going on right now, then you're able to kind of see, like you just said, you know, the next step, yeah, and I think, and just like with health, I think when you take that first step, you realize, well, gosh, you know, this isn't so overwhelming. I think mm -hmm. I can take the next step. Mm -hmm. So I just like for my clients to just have a, a first step that's very important, but that is also um, doable. Mm -hmm. And that will just get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay, so now let's say a woman, you know, she she researches what she's got going on as far as her investments, what work where she has money currently located and, and all of that. She's made the phone calls. Um, so now what is she going to be looking for when she's, look, when she's reviewing her investments? Yes, good question, good question. So once you pull everything together, you think, okay, now what? You know, what am I looking for? Well, there are some red flags that I typically see, especially with, with women. We, we typically are 
very conservative. You know, we're, we're, we're security conscious, so we don't like taking a lot of perceived risk. And so I find that a lot of my clients, they have accounts that are too heavily in cash and money market. And they think that by doing so, they're protecting themselves when actually they're subjecting themselves to inflation risk. If you have a lot of money just sitting in cash, it's not going to grow for you. So you are losing money, especially if it's for a long-term goal like you know, retirement. You, you really want that money to grow. So I would say um, when you're looking through your statements, you know, what are you looking for? Well, you're looking to see if you have too much sitting in cash. And if you have trouble reading it, you could easily just call the financial institution and just ask them, you know, well, what is this fund? If it says, you know, ABC income fund, it may just be all in um, CDs, who knows, you know, each, each investment can be different. So that's part of just understanding what you have. So having too much in cash, and then on the flip side, uh, being too aggressive where you have money in um, individual stocks. Um, now that is too aggressive and too risky. For example, if your money is in a particular stock, well, that stock can be hit by unexpected news and then suddenly it plummets and there goes a significant part of your portfolio. So you also want to check and make sure that your investment portfolio is not too heavily invested in individual stocks. Now you think, well, if not individual stocks, well, what else is there? Well, there's mutual funds. And mutual funds are investment vehicles that contain thousands of companies, thousands of individual stocks. So if you own a um, mutual fund that invests in large companies, well, one company can go bankrupt and your portfolio wouldn't even notice because you've got thousands. So it's a great way to diversify. So if someone wants to get started and they think, well, gee, you know, I have this amount of money. Well, how do I diversify? I don't have millions of dollars. Well, if you put that money into a mutual fund, that by itself is diversified. That's a great way to, um, to, to manage your risk, but yet participate in the growth of the stock market. So, so there's that. Um, another thing um, on the topic of mutual funds, you want to make sure that your mutual funds are not uh, too expensive. Uh, for example, all mutual funds have an expense ratio because they have, you know, fees to pay the people who work there to, um, to run the fund, you know, management fees, uh, marketing fees, you know, just certain fees. But you don't want those fees to be so high that they're going to eat into your investment returns. So what I like to do is, um, you know, have, have my clients or I just look up the mutual fund and you can go to Morningstar.com and that's a free service, Morningstar.com, and put the ticker symbol or just do a search on the mutual fund name and you'll see what the fund fee is. And I typically... Anything above, anything 1% or more, I think is just too high. It's really too high because that means that that fund has to go up 2% just for you to make 1%. You know, it's just crazy. Uh, so I would say a fund fee of say, oh, 0.6, maybe 0.8 and below would be appropriate. 
But I tell you, I've, I've seen some mutual fund fees of 1.25. And, and what, what you're doing is you're paying these money managers to actively manage your portfolio. They're buying and they're selling and they're trying to guess, you know, what's going to go up and what's going to go down. And history has taught us that that type of investment philosophy in the long run does not beat just having a very well diversified portfolio of low cost mutual funds that are allocated towards your, um, towards your risk tolerance. You know, so for example, uh, the closer you are to retirement, the more conservative your portfolio should be. And the conservative piece is the fixed income piece. So typically, when we look at portfolios, it's, well, how much of your portfolio is in equities, you know, the stocks that grow, and how much are in um, fixed income, you know, the CDs, the money market cash that kind of tampers the volatility. And so the, the, the longer your time horizon, the more aggressive you can be, the more you want your portfolio to grow. So that means the bigger your equity piece should be and the smaller your fixed income. But as you get closer and closer to retirement, um, you want that fixed income piece to get bigger and bigger. And then um, by the time you're retired, then you may be 50-50, you know, 50% equities, 50% fixed income, or maybe 60-40, you know, but, but the, the, the point is that having um, a proper allocation based on your goals is also a key component to, to investing the right way. Mm. Great information, Angela. Mm. Uh, one, one other thing, um, I always ask my, my clients um, about their investment accounts. And this is part of getting organized. They have accounts all over the place. And there's really no benefit of having your accounts with three different institutions. Um, I tell them to, to pick, pick one. You know, pick one and have your accounts at that institution. So that's one account statement. Now, I'm not saying merge all of your accounts because some accounts have to stay separate, like your brokerage, your retirement, your IRA, you know. You keep those separate, but to only have to deal with one custodian is, is really helpful. Great. Thank you. Okay, so how does one know what to invest in, right? So you talked a little bit about diversifying and all of that um, and, and choosing. And so you, you, you shared some of, those, uh, some of those things like you don't want to um, stay away from mutual funds with high fees of 1% or higher. Right. What else uh, does one need to know when investing? You, you also want to stay away from funds that have a letter behind them. <laughs> so if you see um, aggressive fund A and it has like the letter A behind it, you want to stay away from that. Um, normally when funds have like an A, B, or C behind the name, the, the A, B, or C tells you how, how much of a sales charge they're going to um, uh, assess you. And they'll just take it out of your, your principal. So you may not even be aware of it. But um, a mutual fund with an A behind it means that when you invest, then they're automatically going to take the percentage off the top right away. 
just for the privilege to invest with them, which I think is really unfair. And I've seen, these are called loads. They don't call them sales charges. They call them loads. And so I've seen loads of 5%. So immediately once you, you know, invest your money, 5% is taken off. And then you have um, mutual funds with a B behind it. Well, a B means that they'll take their cut after you sell. So after you sell that fund, they'll take 5%. So they'll, they'll still get their money. And it, it really comes down to knowing how much you're paying, you know, for these mutual funds. And, um, you know, some people think, oh, I'm just going to invest this money and they didn't charge me anything. You know, it's great. Well, they're going to charge you something and, and they may not be upfront with how it is. So, you know, just look for the A, B, and C. And then the C, C shares, that, that's like a combination of, you know, front end and back end. But, you know, just be aware of that. And I think I also touched on um, actively managed um, mutual funds. Be very careful about funds with high expense ratios because they are actively managed and they're trying to, to beat the market. And um, studies have shown that only 19% of these actively managed mutual funds beat just a, a buy and hold strategy. You know, there's no need to tinker with your portfolio constantly. By doing that, you're racking up fees, you're racking up taxes, you know, all in the hope that you can figure out where the market is going. And to be honest, I mean, you, you could look at the economic um, factors that are existing, but you, you really don't know what the stock market is going to do tomorrow, you know. And over the long term, markets do go up. So in order to take advantage of that, you just need to make sure you're just properly diversified. So in terms of what to invest in, um, you know, just take a look at uh, mutual funds that are really well diversified. You know, if you don't have a lot of money and you just want instant diversification, they have some funds, especially Vanguard, there's like all-in-one um, investment funds. You put your money into one fund and you're, you have instant diversification. It'll put your a percentage into uh, equities, into fixed income, and you know, you, you really don't have to worry about it, you see. Now, if, if you want to get more sophisticated than that, then you can put together a portfolio of mutual funds that um, match your risk tolerance. See, that's another thing, um, you know, your risk tolerance, how much risk are you willing to take? And that should really uh, drive your portfolio allocation. And Vanguard also on their website, they, they have a really good risk analysis tool to suggest what type of allocation you should have. Mm, great. Yeah, I've heard about Vanguard. I think I actually, um, uh, I was going to ask you what, what books you recommend um, mm. one reads. And, and there's one that you've told me about in the past that I've read, and it was super beneficial was the Susie Orman's Women in oh, Money, yeah. right? That's a great book. Yeah, I love that book. It's um, Susie Orman, Women and Money. Mm -hmm. And I love that book because it's, it's a very holistic book. And um, I don't agree with everything, but I think it's a really good book because it focuses on all the different pieces of financial planning. Like today, we're talking about investing, which is critical, but there's other pieces to someone's financial plan that are just as important. Really, your investments drive everything else. 
but you have to know where you're going. You have to be properly protected. You have to have, you know, your state planning, insurance, um, budgeting. You've got to have your expenses under control. You know, there's all these other pieces. And what I liked about that book is that it, it really addresses the big picture of finances. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I like that book. And then I also like um, The Millionaire Next Door. But mm. that's, it's an old book. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a classic. And mm. it just talks about, um, you know, your typical millionaire. How did they get there? Mm. Did they, you know, get the secrets on which investments to make? No, no. They really just did some somewhat boring common sense things like living below your means, you know, buying a house and staying in it, not upgrading every 10 years, um, driving a sensible car. You know, it's really boring stuff that not a lot of people want to do, but it gets you there and knowing your goals, you know, knowing what's important to you. If, if you're constantly, um, you know, chasing <clears throat> material things, but deep down all you really want is a simple life, well, you'll never be happy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, not so much that last point, but, you know, the whole fact of, again, you know, we, we talk about, you and I, when we start talking about these things, the principles are just the same when it comes to your health, right? It's like the boring, like not sexy stuff, right, that you do consistently and you stay, dis- you stay disciplined to that add up over time, right? And then, That's right. you know, and then the, the longer you do that, then the, the greater investment return you're going to get, right? That's true. Really what it comes down to. Okay. So one more question today. Um, So we talked about the markets and how they fluctuate and you don't know, right? What's going to happen. And so let's say that the market starts to go down. What advice do you have for the, um, the novice investor when they, (laughs) they see the market going down? (laughs) What do you say in that case? Oh my gosh. I I feel like I've been having this conversation on a daily basis because over the past, what, 10 years, we've been having, the market's been going up. So there are investors out there who have never seen a down market and they're just really nervous. And not to say we're in a down market, but we're definitely seeing a lot of, a lot more volatility than we've seen in years where the market will, will go down a couple hundred points. Then the next day, it's up a couple of hundred points. Um, not to get into the reasons why it's going up and down like crazy right now, but um, what do you do? What can you control? We cannot control what the market is doing. So what do you do? Um, you plan for those days before they happen. And you plan for them by being properly invested, you know, by not being too aggressive in individual stocks that are all in one sector, um, what you do is you do nothing if you are um, in the right portfolio. What you do is you stay the course. And so if you have an investment strategy that's say 60% equities and 40% fixed income and the market starts going down, well, you, you do not change your strategy at all. Now, what you may want to do is just check and make sure that the volatility hasn't um, changed your current allocation. You know, maybe the stock portion has gone down. Let's say it's gone down 10%, so now your portfolio is 50-50. Well, then it's a, time, it's a good time to look at it and consider 
rebalancing back to your strategy of 60-40. So whatever it is, you just stick with it. And so the, the only thing that you would do is just to make sure that the recent volatility hasn't made your portfolio stray away from your um, investment strategy. Now, should you do this frequently? No, no, you really shouldn't. Um, some people rebalance annually, some semi-annually. I really would not recommend more than semi-annually uh, for the, a lay person because you'll go crazy rebalancing your portfolio constantly. I think the key is really that when the markets go down to just feel confident that you have the right portfolio for yourself and really tune it out. You know, I think um, a lot of the media really plays upon the fears of people. So when the market goes down, they make it sound like um, the world's falling apart, you know, and sell, 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 you know, get your money out now. And then the very next day, it goes up a couple of hundred points. Oh, well, the growth earnings look positive. And so it's like, wait a minute, didn't yesterday you just say sell, you know? <laughs> right. So it's kind of like the entertainment for the day. And you will definitely do a lot of damage to your portfolio if you listen to the news and, um, you know, take their recommendations on a daily basis of what to do for that day. So again, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's all... Um, you know, enter entertainment for the, for the media and, and you just try and um, block that out. I really encourage my clients not to look at the news. Mm. You know, they really shouldn't. Just do the work up front, make mm. sure you're in a correct portfolio for yourself and then forget it. You know? Stay the course. Happy. Huh? Stay the course, be happy, right. live your life. Mm. Find what you want to do for your me time. Ah, there you go. <laughs> you don't want your me time looking at CNBC, no. You mm. don't want to do that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That'll raise your cortisol levels. Uh, exactly. For, sure. <laughs> yeah, for no good reason, because there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Right. Okay, Angela. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you gave you always give uh, such great information and advice, and you really care about your clients and, and what you do, and um, you know you're very well educated in in this area. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, now you are a financial planner. You work with women, right? And I know you have some male clients as well, but primarily women, right? And, um, and so if there are uh, any uh, people listening who want to work with you, but you know, maybe don't live near the South Bay in Southern California, uh, are you able to work with anybody over the phone or virtually? Do you have any clients? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I have quite a few virtual clients. Okay. And um, I have clients who live in the area, but I still meet with them virtually because they don't want to drive. Mm. to my office, you know, here in LA, you know, they yeah. don't want to drive. And so we meet virtually. Okay. So I would say if anyone's interested, yes, I definitely work virtually. And if someone would like to learn more about me, they could go to my website, dorseywealth.com and take a look around, you know, see, um, you know, learn more about what, what I, how I can help and um, sign up for my newsletter. I, I put a lot of thought into my newsletter. You do. And I really try and make it educational. So, you know, there may be, you know, people who are interested but not ready. So, you know, just sign up for my newsletter. And that's a great way to get the ball rolling, you know, mm -hmm. just get that education. I also have a lot of blogs on my website. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, there's many ways to, to get started. I think just like you always say, the 
important thing is to just get started. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's why you and I have aligned so much, Angela, right? And I mean, um, right. we get on the phone, man, we can, an hour <laughs> just goes by so quickly because you and I, we just start talking and we just have a very similar philosophy on kind of, you know, the long game, right? Because whether it's your health or whether it's um, growing wealth, um, it, it's really about the long game. It's not about what's happening right now, but it's it's small, small, consistent actions over time, right? Staying the course that's going to lead you to to those goals. So, right. um, yeah, and I do have to attest to, uh, you know, the the greatness of your blog because you really do have a great blog, Angela. It's it's very practical. You always share tips. Uh, you have strategies. I think you just shared. Uh, you just sent one out today. Uh, about seven tips or seven strategies or whatever. I haven't gotten to it yet, but um, you always have great information and, um, and you're an ethical person, you know, which is very, very important, right? You have to be able to trust the person that you're working with. That's going to help you uh, with your money. So thank you again so much, Angela, for coming on. And I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that four month in four months. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, are you spending a little more than 15 minutes on you? Are you watching, are you doing more than watching cat videos on YouTube? I know. <laughs> I know. That's bad already. Yes. You, you hold me accountable and I, I, uh, I'm committed to that. I will have something more um, productive to uh, you got it. <laughs> announce in my me time. Right. All right. Thanks again, Angela. Great to okay. have you. Thanks so much. Absolutely, Kim. Thank you. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it and support yourself while doing it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can tell your friends about it or share it on social media. And if you want more me time in your life, consider becoming a member of the Me Time Midlife Community. This is my online community of like-minded and like-hearted women in midlife who want to take charge of their life by cultivating their health, happiness, and purpose while building connections and friendships along the way. There are many benefits to joining, including monthly member-only Q&As with some of the experts you hear on the podcast. Plus, as a listener of the podcast, you get a special listener discount. Go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.